in 500 feet, turn left or right. I'm actually not sure. You know, driving these days, it's pretty hard to get lost, right? I mean, because of our phones and GPS and all the stuff that we have, if you, if you get lost driving, you're, you might have some other issues going on, okay? But, um, you know, because it's just majority of the time, it's going to guide you to the right place. And, you know, I don't remember the last time I got lost driving because of GPS and the technology that we have, you know, from the satellites and space guiding us. But... I want to take you back in time for a moment to ancient times before the GPS. And it was, it was really cool. A, a contact of mine um, allowed me to observe this with him and then gave me per- permission from the museum to let this artifact out of the museum so that I could show it to all of you. So it's right here in this envelope. And uh, if you are under the age of 30, I highly recommend maybe grabbing your camera because you've probably never seen something like this before. Um, But no flash photography, please. No flash photography. Ladies and gentlemen, very delicately here. This, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, get your camera out, ma'am. This is, she's, I got, I got you, it's good, okay. this This is what you call a map, okay? See, this is the map of Michigan. You see it? You want to get a picture, ladies? Okay, I know. Okay, I, 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 I'm here. You know. Okay, it's just should you take that as a compliment? Okay, as an insult. Okay. Um, so back in the day, people, uh, you know, when you'd leave the house to to go out of the state, you would grab this, and you know, this would guide you out of the state. Then what would happen is that when you would get out of the state, if you hadn't been out of that specific state before, you'd stop at the thing called the Welcome Center. And then you'd go into the Welcome Center and get a map for that state, okay? (laughs) Then you'd grab a pencil, primitive times here. And then you would draw the lines to guide you to the next state that you were heading. Now, one of the things that I remember in my lifetime is as a child, getting to sit in the back seat, what I learned was the power that this map had. The beholder of the map sometimes had more power than the person driving the car. And the tension that would arise between the map and the people in the front seat was very intense, highly intense situations, okay, I remember. Very intense. And, you know, you think about the invention of the GPS. I don't think we give it enough credit to how many marriages it's actually probably saved uh, through the years. Okay, so you get my, you get my point. Okay. Uh, we're talking about this today because, you know, it, it is amazing where we've come in technology with maps and everything. And it is amazing. I mean, if you pay attention to your GPS, for the most part, it's not going to steer you wrong. It's going to head you in the right direction, you know, 99% of the time. But today I bring this up because as we continue in our series going through the book of John, we're going to see Jesus talk about a helper beyond all helpers. We're going to hear Jesus talk about uh, um, an aid that you can't even compare. It's like a whole other universe level of help that doesn't even compare to a, a GPS. 
And wherever you're, wherever you're at on, on, on your relationship with uh, Jesus, if you're seeking, if you've been following him for many years or you're still exploring that, I, I just, I, I really ask all of us to lean in because you're going to want this helper. I mean, th- th- this helper is like no other and, and, and the power behind this helper and what it can do for your life is just unbelievable. Okay. So that's our focus. That's our goal. But I want to, I want to pray and then we will dive in. So father, thank you so much for getting us here in the room. Thank you for your word. And father, I just ask that, uh, it will convict us today. It will convince us today. It will strengthen us today. It will protect us today. Uh, as always, you know, I need your help. And so thank you for being my helper and we love you. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so grab a copy of your Bible, grab your journal, open it up, write things down so you don't forget it. We're in John chapter 14. We're going to finish up John chapter 14. Uh, Got halfway through last week. And uh, here we are. Jesus is in his final discourse with his disciples. So this is the last kind of big conversation, uh, the last message, if you will, the last like installment into their hearts, into their lives before he dies on the cross. And so the disciples are very distraught right now. They see it coming. They, they hear Jesus talking about his imminent death. And so they're distraught. And even in the midst of him being distraught, we see Jesus selflessly comforting his disciples, even though he's the one whose life's about to be brutally taken. And he starts to comfort them, giving them a foreshadowing of what is to come. And this is where we set the stage as we kick off John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It says this, Jesus is talking. He says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so here we have Jesus putting on display, announcing this amazing helper uh, of the Holy Spirit of the living God that is about to come. He talks about the helper. Now, in the original language in Greek, this is this word called parakletos, which is this idea of helper, intercessor. It also means comforter. Now, a lot of times when we think comfort, we think one that soothes and consoles. It's not only that, but the word comforter here is this idea of an advocate standing by you, strengthening you, giving you bravery as you walk through this life. And so here is the Holy Spirit, our great helper that Jesus talks about and shows them you're going to get this helper. But I also wanted to point out where it says another helper. You might be thinking to yourself, another helper? So if this is the Holy Spirit, does this mean like another God, another kind of God? Like what does this another mean? Now, um, what's really important to know, and again, this is a little bit of the Greek uh, language here, so I I don't want to lose you, but in our language, we have one a word for another. In the Greek language, there's two words for another. Uh, one of the words is this word called heteros, which is this idea of something of a completely different nature. But the word here is not heteros. The word here is alos, or it, which is the idea. Uh, very specifically, it says alos, which means another of the same kind. So very simple. Alos is another of the exact same kind, another of the same kind, showing us that the Holy Spirit, the helper, is not just this like impersonal kind of mysterious force. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, is the person of the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God 
God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And so this is not just some another thing. This is one in the same. Uh, three in one, but the same, but with distinct roles. This is also, I just want to remind us, when we talk about the gift of the helper of the Holy Spirit, when you humble yourself, just a reminder, just to make sure you understand this. When you receive the power, when you receive Jesus as your savior, when you humble yourself to realize, you know what? I got a sin problem. I can't fix it on my own. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And you humble yourself and receive him as your savior. In that moment, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's other belief systems that think that you have to wait a little bit and do some other things, and then there's this upgraded package Holy Spirit that comes later. That's not the truth of God's word. When you receive Jesus as your savior, you immediately get that gift. You get the upgraded, just think of buying a car and you get the upgraded package with all the bells and whistles. You got it. You got the heated seats. You got the automatic. You got it all. You got the power of the Holy Spirit on a different level. It's in your heart. He comes, it literally says that we'll read a little bit later. He's taking residence in your life. He's literally moving in, in your life. It's an unbelievable gift that navigates us, that directs us, that guides us, that shapes us. It's unbelievable. Amen, right? That we get the gift as Jesus followers, right? Of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we continue to go through the text, I want us to look at, I mean, there's so many things that the Holy Spirit does, but we're going to point out three different things in the text that the Holy Spirit just gifts us as his followers. And I uh, just want to remind us and be encouraged of those things, okay? So as we keep going, it says this, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Showing us this really important truth that we are his children. Would you just repeat after me? I am a child of God. Okay, now I, I want, I'm going to ask you to do it again. I just, just sink that in for a moment. I am a child of God. We are children of the living God. He is our father that we get to depend upon. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. Orphans, uh, this idea of orphans are, are those that are, that are unloved, that are not seen. No, no, no. You are seen. You are loved like no other. You are comforted like no other. Let me remind you just to give you some ammo as you're, as you're taking notes. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, say with me, Abba, Father. Then in Romans eight sixteen, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so as you're taking notes, here's the first thing that the helper does for you. It navigates you to dependence. The Holy Spirit, the helper, your helper, navigates you to dependence. It's an unbelievable thing when we get to depend upon the Father, the perfect, loving Father that never lets us down, that's always constant, that's always stable. The problem is, if you're like me, we all have a gravitational force and pull that pulls us to depend upon ourselves and tend to, instead of the Spirit, right? There's this gravitational pull that we struggle with that's always in us, that it's like, am I going to depend on myself? Or am I going to depend upon the spirit? And so we have to constantly read that and ask ourselves, who and what are we depending upon? 
I can give so many different examples, but I think of one recently. Uh, us as a church family for the past year and a half have been praying uh, that God would open up a space for us to expand for our kids and for um, our Mile City Espanol. And so there's this warehouse right behind us that we've been waiting to open up. And then it came available, but not just a section of it, but all of it, which was literally two of these put together, which is like 14,000 plus square feet that we don't need. Uh, But as we started to process, we're like, well, maybe we should take the whole thing. And then we can sublease it out so that we can be in control of the future for future expansion. So I started to process that with our elders and with our staff team and with other very uh, just brilliant professional businessmen and women and real estate and just started to go through the whole thing. And then, you know, as the lead pastor here, you know, before I used to run some different companies and you start to get the business sense. And it's so funny being a lead pastor because it's totally different than leading another company because God's in charge and you're just trying to be a good steward of it. So you feel this different pressure and just, you know, there's so many different options, but I remember waking up one morning, just begging God and just depending upon him and saying, God, what do you, what do you, what do you want us to do? And I just felt just as I leaned into his presence and leaned into the spirit to just guide us. It's like, Hey, when you need to grow more, we'll, I'll take care of that. Like take what you need now and I'll take care of the rest. You don't need to be in charge of the future. You don't need to try to be a landlord right now. Depend on me. I'll provide the space that you need in the future. Just one example of that tension that I was feeling of, okay, let's go after this. Let's do this. To no. What is the spirit asking us to do to lean into his, his presence? It's so easy for us to lean into ourselves and not leaning into the power of the spirit. I want to talk about another thing on this. Isn't it interesting that we see Jesus all throughout the Gospels, leaning into the helper. And you might be thinking, well, Jesus is God. Why does he need to lean into the helper? We, we, we're going to see it at the end of this passage, but we see multiple times where Jesus is, Lord, your will be done. I'm depending upon the Father. The Father is greater. He would say these statements that then makes Jesus feel less than. What we have to remember is that Jesus did not need the helper in his divinity, but Jesus needed the helper in his humanity. Remember, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. I know. It's hard to comprehend in our minds. 100% God and 100% man. But in his humanity, we saw him constantly leaning in to the helper, which should just encourage us and should humble us that the next time that you feel the tension, that gravitational pull, we should say, well, if Jesus leaned into the helper then I should lean into the helper too for my dependence. And so I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what decision you got to make. Ask yourself, who are you leaning into? Allow your helper to navigate you to ultimate dependence upon the father. It's the best decision. It's always the better way leaning into him for our dependence. Let's keep going. Then it says in verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me and who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, notice they said not Iscariot to get confused with uh, the brother James, uh, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us 
and not to the world. It continues. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. See there, make our home with him. I love that. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Now, if you notice as you're kind of reading through this, This is the third time in this section of scripture that we've just read where he links that genuine love for him would come from obedience. That genuine love for the father would come from obedience. But notice what this does not say. It does not say that obedience is the cause of salvation. However, it does remind us that obedience is evidence of our salvation. A lot of times we can get tripped up with this as Jesus followers or if we're exploring that my works are going to save me and if my obedience is going to get me into the pearly gates and then we get trapped into this good um, theology that is of Satan, honestly, is it tricks so many people to believe that they're good because of their good works of their eternity, which is not true. Let me remind you about where our works fall in just from a couple nuggets that you can dive in as you're taking notes and dive in later. Romans 3.20, for no one could ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Can't be any clearer than that. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Okay? Titus 3.5, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, You're not saved because of the righteous things you've done. I'm not saved because of the righteous things Travis has done. But because of his mercy, I'm saved. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Reminding us that obedience is the sign of our genuine faith. Reminding us like true followers of Christ cannot help but take what's going on in the inside and what the Holy Spirit is doing and then reflect it on the outside of our lives. True followers cannot just keep that to themselves. There will be a change. There will be evidence of our obedience being prompted by our helper to navigate us to God's way, to God's obedience. Um, anyone like traffic? Okay. I like traffic. Okay, Devin, I don't think you like traffic. But... When you think about traffic, how many times have I been warned by my GPS, you might want to get off the exit ramp because it's foreseeing something that I can't see. And there's some crash, there's some crazy accident, or there's traffic because you don't even know why. And then all of a sudden you get through the traffic jam for an hour and you're like, what happened? Like there was nothing, there was just like a cone in the road and it's just, I'm here for an hour and you get so frustrated. And if I just would have listened and I would have got off the exit ramp, would have saved me from a lot of banging my head up against the steering wheel. To, you know, we've all been there. In the same way, right? The Holy Spirit of the living God, our helper, is trying to navigate us to obedience. And so many times, he's triggering us, get off the exit, get off the ramp, don't go that way, don't go that way. We just completely ignore it. We completely ignore it and just do not navigate ourselves to the obedience that he's calling out. Like, for instance, it might sound like this. I wouldn't say that. And then you just word vomit. It gets you in trouble. Or what about this one? I wouldn't buy that. Be a good steward. And then Amazon boxes are just stacking up on your front door. Okay. 
It's really close. I wouldn't look at that. You know that'll distort your mind. And then you go down this trail of lust. I wouldn't go there. And then the next morning, you have all this regret that's just deep in shame. We are constantly being torn, aren't we? To either obey the spirit of the world or to obey the spirit of the word. We are constantly at battle in this tension to obey the spirit of the world or to obey the spirit of the word. I I, I love, I just wanted to bring this up. I love how Paul says this. This always just makes me feel normal. So I want to just show you this. Um, Paul says, he says, so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. I like that. You ever feel that way? I don't understand myself. Yeah, yeah. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. So yes, we are going to struggle. Yes, we're going to feel the tension. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. When the spirit of the living God, when your helper is navigating you to obedience, it should trigger you to think of two things. One, it is a reminder of the evidence of your salvation. Like when you feel that tension, yeah, no, I shouldn't do that. I should. Like that should remind you of the tension that you are saved. Another thing it should remind you is that your Savior is battling for you. You know what some people tell me sometimes, you know, Travis, I just don't feel God. I don't feel him. So I just don't know if it's real. I don't know if I'm really saved because I don't feel it. When you are torn, should I go this way or should I go this way when it comes to sinful things of being obedient to God's ways or the world's ways? That's not your conscience. That is the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The next time that, that, that you feel that pull, remind yourself that's your God. That's your helper. That's the power of the living Savior living inside of you trying to get your attention. We don't give him credit in, the, in those times for some reason. Give him credit. That's him. You don't want to, that's, that's the feeling of the Holy Spirit trying to get you to move in the right direction and praise him for it. Praise him that he's battling for you. The next time you feel that tension, you might even be feeling that tension right now, praise him that he's trying to get your attention. Then it continues. It says, um, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is just another great reminder that this is not just a book. This is not just a book. God, the helper, used and chose specific men to recollect, write down specifically what he wanted for his word, and it is the inspired, true word of God. This is the inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of God. It is a light to our paths. It is alive and living. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Like I always like to say, there is a pulse literally in these pages. And so here's the next one. Your helper navigates you to truth. This is absolute truth. And your helper, the Holy Spirit, as you open this up, literally is guiding you and navigating you to truth. If you're ever wondering what direction to go or what not direction to go, this is our manual. 
And he gives us this as a gift. And that's why we have this massive ear out in our lobby. Why? To remind us to be people that are going extra in our daily encounters. And so what did you hear this week? Remember to write it down. Put it in your phone. Put it in your journal. And then come into the church and write it on those cards and put it there. Why? To encourage other believers. Say, hey, wow, look at how God's been speaking to this person. Look at how God's been speaking to this person. Don't let that ear wall become white noise, please. Like, may we keep just going to it and writing our thoughts down to encourage us. Maybe you had some plans this year to your New Year's resolution to read the Bible in a year or do this study or do this thing, and you've just fallen flat on your face and you haven't done it. Don't be discouraged. Pick it back up. Feed on it. This is the truth. Your helper will navigate you to the truth. Here's the last section that we'll talk about. He says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. See, like I talked about earlier. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. And so here's the last one. What does our helper do? He navigates us to peace. He navigates you to peace. Peace means more than the absence of war. Peace also means wholeness, security, completeness, contentment. The world bases its peace on resources instead of the ultimate source of the power of the living God. Those that don't have a relationship with Jesus enjoy peace in the absence of trials. But those who have a relationship with Jesus enjoy peace in the midst of the trials. And some of you today know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel it. You're in it. You're in the trial. You're in the chaos. It's heavy today. But yet, there's this peace as a Jesus follower that doesn't make sense that we know where it says that it surpasses all understanding. We must remember that the, that the chaos and the storm or whatever we're facing, that he is not the cause of the pain, he is the comforter in the midst of our pain. And may we be remembered to, to give praise and rejoice that we have a helper that navigates us to this peace that surpasses all understanding. May we, be may we be reminded to look back on our past struggles and remember the peace that he brought us in the past struggles and those past valleys. And then may we be people that remember to share our stories with others, uh, the peace that we had in the midst of those trials and in those storms. I, I, I've seen so many amazing um, stories of people in this family showing and demonstrating the peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of their chaos. And it's inspiring and it encourages me. I mean, so many of you that have, you know, walked through or are walking through right now some disease and you're maintaining this peace that surpasses all understanding. It's unbelievable. Some of you have 
been maintaining this level of peace in the midst of grief because of someone that you've lost way too soon. And then you just keep maintaining that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's inspiring. I think of those of you in financial hardship that even that you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills in that certain circumstance, you literally have continued to maintain that peace that surpasses all understanding. I think of those in relational turmoil in marriages and how difficult it's been. And yet you've maintained this level of peace that just doesn't make sense. Or I've watched many of you parent through some really difficult situations, and yet you're still maintaining this peace that just doesn't make sense. I think of four years ago, it's almost four years ago now, where our whole worlds were shut down and completely, like, it was a crazy time in our world, right, that we'll never forget. It's crazy. It's been almost four years ago. And I watched so many of you maintain a level of peace Where do you think that came from? You? That is the power and the gift of your helper that is giving you that peace. Don't forget that. Be reminded that he's the one that's given it to you to prepare you for the next one that will come, the next trial that will come, and be an encouragement to those that are walking through a storm right now. Your helper navigates you to peace. What a gift that we have. What a gift that we have. So what have we seen? Just a couple things. Our helper navigates us to dependence. He navigates you to obedience. He navigates you to truth and he navigates you to peace. As a Jesus follower in this room, I just hope this encouraged you that the tension should encourage you of your faith and the tension should encourage you that he's with you and that it's not just your conscience. It's the power of the spirit constantly never giving up on you. Rejoice, rejoice in that. And then maybe there's an area that you've been like ignoring. Lean in. Lean into him for your dependence. Come on, lean into him for your obedience. Lean into him for your truth in a world filled with lies. Lean into him for your peace instead of your worry. Last thought. So for some of you, when I'm talking, you're just, if you're honest, you're like, this is completely ridiculous. This seems so foolish. You're trying to say that my conscience is... You're trying to tell everyone that are Jesus followers that their conscience is like the spirit. This is like weird. And I understand why you feel that way. And in fact, I want to show you why you feel that way. Here's why. Next. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13. And I say this with all grace, but this is why this seems foolish to you. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people, here's where you come in, who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. 
for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And so I understand why you think it's foolish. Because you have not received the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. So it would be foolish to you. But it doesn't have to be. Because the moment that you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it literally is a game changer for your entire world here on earth and when you leave this earth into your eternity. And what's amazing about our God is he's not just like saying, well, he he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so right now, the Holy Spirit of the living God is reaching out to you. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to wake you up to say, hey, don't you want my help? I created you. I designed you. And not only that, but I came here to save you because he made you real. And because you're real, we all have a sin problem that none of us can fix. Only Jesus can fix. And that's why he came and he died on a cross. And that's why three days later he rose from the dead, proving he truly was God. And then he said, if you truly want to be saved, if you truly want to be fixed, receive me as your savior. And so if you've never received Jesus as your savior, if you've never received the greatest helper of all, let today be the day. Let the day be the day. And so I just want to ask you to just close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're a Jesus follower in the room today, I just want to ask you to pray for those in the room that don't know him, where this does seem kind of foolish. But maybe if you're honest, you'd say today, you know, I walked in the room today and I've been exploring. I haven't quite got it, but there's something clicking. There's something stirring. I want you to know that that's not by chance. That is the love of God coming after you. He wants to deliver you. He loves you so much. He wants to deliver you from all of your past, from all your sin, from all your shame. He wants to rescue you today. Will you fall into his loving arms? If that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. Just as simple as this. Just say, make it your own. Just say, Father, deliver me. Forgive me. I've been running from you. I don't want to run from you anymore. Forgive me of my sin. I believe. I don't understand it all, but I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. And so right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. If you meant that, if you truly meant that as we continue to pray, if you meant that, then hold on to the truth that you will no longer perish, but will have everlasting life. And now you have the gift, the helper living inside of you. And that changes everything. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your spirit that is there always, never giving up on us, chasing us, molding us. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. Forgive us when we push it away and we squelch you. Ah. Thank you for the reminder of what you're doing in us. It's unbelievable. So we love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.
Let's rejoice for those who have put their faith in Jesus for the first time today. Come on, I mean, if you did make a decision, I just want to challenge you. Best decision of your life. Mark the date down today. Never forget it. And then tell someone. Don't walk alone. Our vision here is helping people move towards God. Tell the person you came with. Let us know. Fill out a connect card. Write it down. Come find one of us. Man, we just want to celebrate and help you on your journey as you move towards God.